Well, so far, only one person has commented, that's fine, uh, but ice cream was the comfort food that I have seen uh, on the Facebook. So ice cream uh, is one. That's a good one for sure. Why don't you join me as we read our scripture today. Matthew 6, 25 through 34 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, as we have been now in stay-at-home orders or uh, self-isolation and social distancing, we are beginning to start to see the effects of folks staying put in their own homes. We're beginning to see, we, we've passed the, the anxiousness of making sure we have enough supplies. I don't know if you've been to the shops lately, but there's plenty of toilet paper. It's shocking how much toilet paper there is now in Kohl's and Woolies and IGA. And to think that just six, seven weeks ago, there was such fear that that would not be there. And now we're to the place where people are starting to think, are we ever going to get out of this? Are we, when are we going to get to go back to work? When are we going to get to go back and actually swing on the swings at the park or have my children swing on the swings at the park? It's okay if you're an adult and you swing on the swings. That's not a big deal. We're beginning to feel that anxiety and that anxiousness that even though we don't want things to go back to the way they were because that might have been what caused all of this to take place, we definitely don't want it to be so dramatically different that we're not comfortable. That it at least has some semblance of what it looks, look, used to look like for us. And it's at times like these when we, either on a macro level, this global thing happening, or even on a personal level, that we turn to other things to give us comfort. So last night, I spent some time making, well, from really early afternoon on into the evening, making food that makes me comfortable, making food that gives me joy. Now, part of it is just the process of making it, and part of it is the eating of that food. And it's one of the things that really is comfort food for me. So it's a beef enchilada and a chicken enchilada. And 
interestingly enough, here in the country that has adopted me and I have adopted as my own country, there are certain things that I can't get here that I can get in the state. So I have to create them myself. So I had to go on a search yesterday. I didn't go to multiple stores. I was very conscious about that. But I did have to go find some Anaheim chilies, which are larger kind of green chilies. And then I had to roast them, and then I had to peel the skin off, and then I had to dice them because you need those for the chicken sour cream enchiladas. And it was a lot of work, but it was fun. And in the end, I sat down in front of it and I ate it. And I got to thinking all this week as I was thinking about this sermon, what are different comfort foods that we can have? And one of the things that I did realize about myself is just food. Food in general, period, is comfort for me. That I just li- I like it. I like a lot of it. I like to eat. Um, and, and that's dangerous because it can lead to really bad things. It can lead to obesity and heart disease and diabetes and all. The- if you don't eat the right things and you eat too much of the wrong things. And I recognize that when we kind of are sitting in a place of anxiety, we see memes that joke about, uh, you know, over-imbibing in alcohol. We see memes in getting rid of our children and putting them up for adoption because they're too, you know, hard for us to deal with. And we can kind of sit back and, ha-ha, nobody's being serious about that. But the reality is that there are people who are serious about that. There are people that as they step into the place of anxiety and fear, they seek comfort in the wrong things. And they over-imbibe, and addiction comes back and grabs a hold of them. Or they become angry and abusive in their relationships because they're just fed up with everybody and nobody's doing it the way that they want to do. And so it's in that place that I felt it was important for us to go to the gospel to go to the Word of God and say, what does it mean in this time, in this age of COVID-19 for us to walk along in fear? And you'll notice that it's fear and loving. Hunter S. Thompson wrote a book called Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. We don't want to loathe. We want to love. And so the title is Fear and Loving. And today we're going to look at nature teaching us how to engage with our anxiety. St. Francis composed the Canticle of the Creatures back in 1225. He did the first part of it, and then he added a couple of other parts of it. So now this first part of the Canticle praises God for creatures, and actually what creatures teach us about God. The second part is a, a a canticle or part of uh, about forgiveness and love for God. And then the third is a praise for his sister's death and what death teaches us about God. I want to read it to you as we think about what we can learn from birds and flowers in engaging with fear and anxiety. He says this, Most high, all-powerful, good Lord, yours are the praises and the glory and the honor and all blessing. To you alone, Most High, do they belong, and no human is worthy to mention your name. Praise be you, my Lord, with all of your creatures, especially Sir Brother Son, who in the day and through whom you give us light. And he is beautiful and radiant with great splendor, and bears a likeness of you, Most High One. Praise be to you, my Lord, through sister moon and the stars in heaven. You form them clear and precious and beautiful. 
Praise be you, my Lord, through brother wind and through the air, cloudy and serene and every kind of weather, through whom you have given sustenance to your creatures. Praise to you, my Lord, through sister water, who is very useful and humble and precious and chaste. Praise to you, my Lord, through brother fire, through whom you light the night, and he is beautiful and playful and robust and strong. Praise to you, my Lord, through our sister mother earth who sustains and governs us and who produces various fruits with color, flowers, and herbs. Praise to you, my Lord, through those who give pardon for your love and bear infirmity and tribulation. Blessed are those who endure in peace, for by you, most high, shall they be crowned. And praise be you, my Lord, through our sister's bodily death, for whom no one living can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin. Blessed are those whom death will find in your most holy will, for the second death shall do them no harm. Praise and bless my Lord and give him thanks and serve him with great humility. See, St. Francis there is recognizing that the earth and all its creatures And all its elements have something to teach us about how we engage with God. Jesus knew that as well. That's the reason why in this passage and the Sermon on the Mount, when he begins to talk about being anxious, he points to us to birds and to flowers. Listen to what he says here. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And then he goes on to say, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He's saying this to say, why are you anxious? Why are you worried? Now, in some ways, when we hear that, we might hear it as him being accusative. Like saying to us, what's your deal? (laughs) Don't you know that I have things under control? What's your problem? What's your malfunction? Don't you recognize that I'm God? That I'm the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things? Get your head in line with what I'm doing so that you're not worried. That's not what he's saying there. Jesus is ever so gently bringing to mind what takes place in the world, in the created order. And I think there's a couple of things that we can grasp from that today as we enter into a time of fear and anxiety and worry. The first thing that we notice about the birds and the flowers is that they are receiving, they are receptive of God's goodness. So in a place where we are um, called not to worry, our first step is that we are to be like the flowers and birds in that we receive the gifts that God gives us. It's very clear that Jesus is pointing out that God is the creator and sustainer of all things, that he is the great provider who gives forth his good gifts to those that he lavishes them on. And that's all things, all creatures here below. And so what do the birds and the flowers do for that? He says they're not sowing, they're not reaping, they're not gathering. He says that all that they are doing is receiving those things. Well, what does that teach us about our own hearts? 
The first thing that it shows us is that we must be in a place of dependence on the Father. Some would say that Jesus is saying, don't be concerned about these things. Very clearly, he's not. You see, concern is something that is appropriate. Over-concern is where worry comes from. The birds and the flowers are not over-concerned about where they'll receive their nutrients, where they'll receive their food, where they will receive their sunlight. They are not concerned about that at all. When we move into worry and anxiety, it's because we become over-concerned about those things. And we're not in a receptive stance. We're in a stance of thinking we'll never receive those. That God is not generous. That he won't provide for us what we need. And so we begin to game plan how we can accomplish and get the things that we need. And it's in that place that we move from godly concern to over-concern and worry. It's when we think that God won't provide, that we need to be about the work of doing it, and that he's not going to give it to us, that if it's only up to us, that we then elevate those things higher than seeing God for who he is, which is the faithful father of steadfast love who wants to bring us all that we need, even if it doesn't look like what we need. You see, part of the problem is that the birds and the flowers, they're receiving what they need. We receive the things that we need. God will provide those. Sometimes, though, it is not at the time and the place and in the desired result that we long for. And so there's a place where we have to change our hearts to say, I'm going to receive what the Lord gives me. I'm going to hold on to what the Father provides. But I don't want you to be nihilistic about that. I don't want you to be fatalistic about that either. Because we do recognize through nature that the birds and the flowers are not just sitting back and receiving. (laughs) They're not just like this. Okay. The birds have to go and build the nest. (laughs) They have to go gather the things up to make that happen. It's not as if worms are dropping from the sky for their little babies. They're going out and finding those worms that God is providing and bringing them back to the nest. The flowers are digging their roots deep. By by nature, they can't help but dig into the nutrients of the soil. And they raise up the lilies as far as they can to grab all of the sunlight and all of the rain that comes in to give them the ability to grow. And so we recognize that flowers and birds, they are receptive in their posture, but they are also working with God to have the things that they are provided for them. That they have to gather them in, that they have to grab hold of them. So it is not a, a passive reception. It is an active reception. The danger for us, if we if we just step back and say, oh, we just need to wait and receive from God, is that we tend to then treat God like a genie. Where if we just make our request, then he'll provide for us. The problem is, is our own requests often aren't the things that we actually need. And when we do that and God doesn't provide those things, then we begin to doubt God. We don't begin to think that there might be something wrong with our own hearts. And when we do that and we can't trust God anymore, then we become over-concerned with trying to make things happen for ourselves. 
And inevitably, that leads us to a place of worry and anxiety and fear. But instead, if we are in a receptive posture, then we know that it's an active reception and we can move to make things happen. I think that's the reason why it's so frustrating in times of crisis, and particularly now, Many people will say, our prayers and thoughts are with you. And now there's such a backlash against that to say, oh, prayers don't do anything and thoughts don't do anything. Actually have action behind it. That's because we're looking at prayer as passive. That prayer is just us shouting out our request to God. And we'll wait to receive it. When we recognize that our reception is an active reception, then what we see is that when we seek God, when we're praying to Him, when we're calling out and saying, Father, this time has led me to a place of anxiety and fear. Lord, I'm becoming over-concerned with whether I I will get a job or have my job when this is all over. I'm worried that um, I'm going to run out of hand sanitizer. I'm worried that my kids are going to have to go back to school next week. And I'm afraid that, that this pandemic will just hit stronger. That we'll have a second wave that will wipe out double, triple more people. Father, I'm, I'm worried about that. And it's at that moment that we might just sit back and say, now take care of it. But if we're in active reception, then it means that as we're praying, what's happening to our heart is it's realigning it. Our prayers are not just calling out a wish list to God. Our prayers are actually a realigning of our heart and our soul to seeing that God is the one who has promised to take care of us. That God is the one who will provide the way through this. That God is the one who will comfort our souls in its anxiety. And he is the one that will provide his goodness to us and all the things that we need. And when I began to have my heart realigned to that, then I know that it is now with God that I go about making those things happen. So I don't sit passively by, but I actively engage in the world around me to make it more fully aligned with what God calls his shalom, his justice and peace, his wholeness. And so my heart then begins to change so that I recognize that there are things that I can do, actively be involved in this world to make it a better place. Not just so that it can be good and comfortable, but so that it will bring glory to God. That's what St. Francis is saying there. That all the things that we see, they're not about just giving us pleasure, even though they're good and great and we see them giving us pleasure, but they all turn to bringing glory to God. And maybe that's the last thing that we learn from birds and from flowers. That they're in a receptive posture, but it's not a passive receptive posture. It is an active reception. So they don't worry. They don't toil. They don't stress because they know that God will provide and they will go out with God to look and find those things that he is providing. But ultimately... They recognize that it is him. That he is the one that provides. And so in this first sermon in this series, this talk, 
If we can have our hearts through prayer realign with seeing the truth that God is always present in his steadfast love for us. That when trials come, he is there. He is there not just in himself, not just through the Holy Spirit, but also through believers and those that we are connected with in community. That he is the one that not only receives glory, but he is the one that brings his glory to bear in our circumstances. That he is the one who brings comfort and peace to us. And so in that, I can bring praise and glory to him. And as I do that, it takes my mind off myself and the plans that I have to have to make things happen, recognizing that he has made them happen. And now I just join with him. And so we learn today from flowers and birds that God is God (laughs) and that he is good. And all he does is good. And that he'll provide for us what we need. And we join with him to make it happen. May it give you peace. Let me pray. Father, we come to you right now. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that you are good and all you do is good. We thank you that in this place of time and trouble that we can learn from your creation to hold fast to the fact that you are who you are, who you've promised to be. Let us rest knowing that you will provide and that you have asked us to join with you as we walk in your provision. Father, if there's anything that are in these words that are not from you, let them burn up, let them blow away. But if they are from you, let them take root in our hearts so that they will spur us on to good works and bring glory and honor and praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray.